I guess that's the way you pick up chicks on the North Shore, huh? You just charge the <laughs> gnarliest barrels and then it just comes to you, huh? <laughs> Don't outrun the wave. Stay behind it and attack it from the back. I was like, that guy's 100% dead. Like. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Basis Surf Podcast. We have my good friend Joey Trisolini here, who is a surf photographer and filmer he's worked with top ct pros uh, free surfers also used to live in new york as a professional fashion and editorial photographer and filmer he still does that working you know with likes of milk studios shooting people like giselle bunchen and uh, originally spent his childhood in the north shore of hawaii actually um, and has just returned back a couple years ago and is back living uh, in Hawaii. Um, so thanks for coming on and joining us. Uh, the first question I actually had to ask you, Joey, was what does it feel like to be on a tiny island in the middle of the Pacific when the world's biggest volcano erupts <laughs> in your backyard, uh, basically? Yeah, it's pretty insane. Um, just to see the power and, and the sheer, I don't know, uh, magnitude of it all. Um, and it's just like a couple miles that way pretty weird to just be like oh i'll just hop on the computer as uh some lava is rolling down this hill <laughs> that sounds so gnarly i mean aren't there houses that have been taken out by that lava like you know not too far away it, it's a serious risk down there right isn't it um so far it's it's not too bad um it might take out the road at some point um and then just slowly make its way right now there's no houses in the, the general direction of where it's going but um, if it goes the other way, then it's, yeah, it's pretty bad news. Oh no. Well, as long as that, uh, lava doesn't take out the road to the surf breaks and <laughs> Every, yeah. everything's going to be fine. That's why everybody's yeah. got a four by four on the big Island. Just, just roll over that molten lava. <laughs> just do whatever you need to do to get there. <laughs> nice. Oh, cool. Well, I thought that, uh, to start off this, uh, podcast, we'd actually talk a little bit about your book, which is amazing. Um, I have it right here. I got a copy of it a long time ago. This is uh, it's called Pipe, uh, Tales from the Seven Mile Miracle. It's a book that you put out a couple years ago. And I thought it would be pretty cool, actually, to start off with, um, because there's this little postcard you put at the very front of oh, it, yeah. and you, you write some lines. And I love because it really just brings me into that world. Um, and I thought you, we might have you read the, the first three uh, paragraphs from it. And all right. All these go. amazing pro surfers in here, but I think this is just what sets it off for me. So why don't, why don't you start with that? Yeah. Um, okay, here we go. When I was a kid, the North Shore was a really scary place. Kamehameha Highway was silent after 8 p.m. The only thing you would hear were the waves pounding the reef at pipe, or some howlies getting pounded in someone's backyard. Not only, did, <laughs> not only did you hear the waves pounding, you also felt them. This was the late 90s, early 2000s. Andy Irons was king and Pipeline was under strict local regulation. You've probably heard all the stories and they're most likely true. My mom once cut Sonny Garcia's hair before I went to jail for tax evasion. My brother once got handed a Dehui sticker out of a random van while we were waiting for the bus. I always felt that we were on the, the fringe of being accepted. Maybe we weren't just some Howleys from Ka'ava. I moved away from Hawaii 10 years ago and found a new love for surfing. It brought me back home to reconnect with the ocean. 
my camera helped me connect with the community I was so intimidated by. This ongoing project is an effort to reach out. I want to preserve the names and faces of the North Shore. Let's talk story. Yeah, that really <clears throat> brings me back. I, I'm trying to imagine what it was like for a young little Joey Trislini running around the North Shore. Must have been <laughs> a pretty wild and woolly place. Yeah, it was scary. Uh, I'm sure it was. Full on scary. Yeah. Well, well, we'll definitely have to get into some stories of uh, of that at some point. But before we get into that, actually, I wanted to... There's this amazing spread here. You can see you got Kelly Slater and him catching this insane wave. I feel oh, like yeah. it's such an interesting moment uh, when you're capturing... When you capture this photo of Kelly, and that is an amazing wave at Pipe. Could you tell us a little bit about that moment? What was going on with Kelly... Any experiences you've had with him, maybe that particular wave? Yeah, I think <clears throat> that photo was in between heats with Kelly. Um, and he's just such an interesting person to to watch. Um, he's just so tuned in all the time. Um, and I feel like you can tell he's considering everything and everyone around him, where I feel like a lot of guys, um, especially when you're that popular, um, they're they just kind of shut it all out and they just like get into their zone i feel like kelly has this like eighth sense where he can just still take in all that stimulus of just everyone watching him everyone like doing stuff and he still can focus and and do his job um so it's it's cool to see it's just really interesting you can you can just see him like always analyzing stuff um, and I think that's, that's what's kept him. I wonder if he found that throughout his career somewhere, if that's something he always had, um, because mm -hmm. you see a, a lot of other guys, um, kind of crumble under that pressure or have to shut everything out. You know, it's, 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 it's nuts when everyone's looking at you and you're going out surfing 20 foot waves. <laughs> yeah. So much pressure, so much consequence. It's, uh, that is a ton. And I remember last winter when we were both uh, at the Pipe Masters mm -hmm. and we saw him win the Pipe Masters. He beat Seth yeah. Muniz. That was probably one of the greatest sporting moments in history. And we were like on the beach to watch that. It's pretty cool. And I got chicken skin. Yeah. Just, that was just so psycho to watch that happen, right? I mean, the guy was just literally summoning waves. Uh, I, I can't even imagine trying to, to be out there with all that pressure, especially after kind of the, you know, he, he's been struggling the past couple of years and to come mm -hmm. back and win the pipe masters like that is just super wild. Um, yeah, totally. It has to take a certain level of just next level determination and self-belief to come back at that age after everything you've gone through and everybody beginning to doubt you. Uh, it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, after he hurt his foot, um, in, at Jeffrey's, I was like, I don't know how you come back from that. Um, and, and compete at that high level. I mean, I'm 35 and I just hurt my shoulder a little bit. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I'm ever going to paddle like into some of the waves that I want to anymore. I don't know. Maybe that's it for me. <laughs> uh, I think you just need to look at Kelly and just, uh, just realize you're yeah. being a little wuss and just <laughs> suck it up and get out there. Oh man, that's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly's obviously a, a very interesting character. There's this other photo that I think is really captivating and interesting. I think it's uh, Connor Coffin just dropping off the lift oh, yeah. like 
just free diving. Uh, looks like he's about to just eat some gnarly. Um, he's he's about to get a beating. What was the? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's Matt, Matt. You were that's Matt Wilkinson, right? Yeah. Um, what I think I remember watching this heat. I mean, but for me, it just happened when I was watching. It, I think it just happened in the blink of an eye. But mm -hmm. it must be a different thing for you to watch it from shore, you know, and be right there. What was that like? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. That's the weird thing about seeing these moments live. Um, sometimes they don't stick at all. Like sometimes uh, you'll you'll see on the the uh, video replay some technical barrel that is insane. But in real life, you just you're on the beach and it just goes by really fast and it doesn't really click. And then sometimes um, it's the opposite effect. Like something that you'd totally just breeze past on the um, the pot or the webcast in real life, you're like, Oh my God, that was like an insane moment. I don't know. That photo is kind of special to me because my interest in surf, um, just when I was a little kid, um, kind of my, like the biggest moment burned into my brain about surfing when I was a, a kid was when we cut, um, we cut school to go watch the Eddie in 2000, Four, I think it was mm -hmm. and um and we were standing you know on the cliff and I remember like the only thing I really oh, I remember two things I remember Bruce's wave and then I remember Flea um jumping from the top to the bottom and it ended up being an Eddie poster a year or two later um oh, but I thought it was I was like that guy's 100% dead like <laughs> at, I was like there's no way he's coming back up from that. He jumped 40 feet from the top of a giant wave to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And it was like that photo, but, uh, yeah. but at Waimea. <laughs> and, <laughs> Except twice as big. Yeah. And this is all pre-flotation and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, th that moment for me was like one of the most important memories of my whole childhood. Wow. That's such a interesting memory. And so you were up on the cliff when that happened? It's, mm -hmm. and it's, it's always so deceiving too. Cause like, you know, I've been on that cliff looking at why I remember, I think I might've with, been with you or Aaron or somebody. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at, it, I was like, that almost looks surfable, <laughs> but of course it's like <laughs> way bigger than it actually looks like from shore. That's yeah. yeah that's, that's funny. But so th this photo, there's this photo of, uh, Connor. Uh huh. Um, but then there's this other photo, which I think is Connor. Yeah. And he just looks like he is having the worst day of his life or he's having the best day of his life. I can't figure it out, but <laughs> there's this photo right here. He, oh, yeah. It looks he's like, you know, 15 feet of white water. Yeah, I, that looks pretty gnarly. What, what was the story behind that one right there? Yeah, I know. Poor, I got two photos of Connor getting smoked, uh, which kind of <laughs> sucks. Poor guy. But, I mean, he charges. That's the thing. Like, um, that photo is really um, kind of – I mean, the whole scenario around that, that second photo is kind of funny because, um, well, I should tell the story a little bit about the first one too. I mean, the thing is during the contest when you have to, you have to go, you know, there's no, there's no like, oh, okay, I'm just going to try and like, you know, if the guy, if it's a priority thing, you have to go. It's like, those guys have to take off on psycho waves, like and you really don't have an option to back out. You'll get like, it's probably worse to back out than get 
hospitalized. I don't know, <laughs> at least for your ego, maybe. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, that's so it's kind of crazy, like um, that situation those guys are in. Um, but yeah, that second one, um, I didn't know who it was at first, too. He just uh, like it was like one of the scariest waves I saw that winter. I don't know. It was it was really big, really kind of nasty. And um, yeah, he just got fully pounded. Um, but kind of the silver lining in that whole thing was he got back to the beach and some girl, like some super cute girl came up to him and tried to get his number. Um, so I mean, <laughs> Hey, it all works out. Yeah. I guess, uh, I got, I guess he got a little reward for, uh, that beat down. I mean, it made it all worth it. Yeah. I guess that's the way you pick up chicks on the North shore, huh? You just charge the <laughs> gnarliest barrels and then it just comes to you, huh? Uh, might work one out of 10, one out of a hundred. <laughs> Either that or you just break your face and, you know, you'll never get a chick again. So it'll, uh, there's a little risk and reward there. Who knows? Yeah. What about this photo here of Gabby? He looks so, you caught him at this moment. He looks so pensive. Mm -hmm. What was the, uh, what was the story behind this one? Yeah. I mean, um, Gabby's a really interesting guy. Um, that, I think that photo is maybe 2017 or so. Um, and he was, you know, at the height of his um, uber-focused one one goal, one mission type of scenario. Um, but he, uh, I think he lost early that year. Um, maybe, I mean, he might have made it to quarters or something. But for him, that's not that good. And, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, when Pipe was in that December window, um, before the WSL changed it, a lot of it is in more northerly swell direction. So it's a lot of backdoor waves, which Gabby's not super good at getting barreled on his backhand, even though he did get like a random nine. But I don't know. I didn't really like that wave, but I would have liked to surf it maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that being said, um, yeah, I feel like he's evolved so much as a as a person. Um, just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know him personally, but just seeing his interactions with his team and stuff, you're just like, man, it's, it's, I think it's so much harder to be a psycho competitor when you have to be, and then be able to turn it off and just be a nice, decent guy. It's like really hard to change between those two modes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the, the guys that, we kind of all villainize or like these real eager go-getter guys. Um, and they're just, you know, they, they can't switch out of that mode so easy because it just, mm -hmm. it's easier for them to compete if they're, you know, and then you see it in other sports like F1, especially in F1. Or Michael Jordan sounds like he was yeah. always on oh, yeah. like full mo like full on psycho mode, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's uh, being a professional athlete. I think you expect you expect them to be a nice guy, but you also expect them to like win. It's like these guys are in a really hard place to try and make that happen all the time. Right, juggling both kind of aspects at the same time that would be tough. Mm -hmm. Huh. Okay. And so you shot this while you were still living in New York, right? And I think mm -hmm. you just went back for a couple winters, and you would shoot that periodically. Yeah. And so this was when you were still living in New York City. You're still, you know, primarily doing fashion and editorial work, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this 
at, when you when you made this, was the intention for you at that point to, you know, break into you know surf photography, or was this more of a passion project type of thing that you were trying to create? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I I was assisting a bunch at that point in my career, and I was assisting a lot of high level photographers, and that's like where that Giselle job was. Um, I was assisting my buddy. Kevin O'Brien, who's an amazing photographer and an amazing mentor to me. Um, so I've gotten to see, I had gotten to see that side of it and those different levels of it. And I kind of just wanted to pave my own way. And I was looking at surf photography and I was like, well, I don't really fit into like just real flat, you know, F16, everything sharp kind of surf photography. I kind of wanted to do it a little weirder and bring some of that influence over from some stuff I'd seen in fashion. Um, just wanted to be a little bit different. So yeah, looking at this book now, I'm like, man, I was like really just doing different things. <laughs> but a lot of it's like super out of focus and stuff like that. Um, but so, I think the results, but it's cool. Like it's, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm, I still feel good about it. It feels like, uh, it feels very different from kind of what I do even now, but in a good yeah. way. Well, I mean, this one photo you took of John, mm-hmm. I think is is such a special photo. And this is totally mm-hmm. unlike anything you would ever see in a normal surf mag or, you know, it's I, I can definitely see where you took those principles of what you learned in kind of the fashion world and applied it mm-hmm. to the surf world, right? It's, it's, yeah. really, it's really beautiful. Thanks. And for those of you, you know, it, to describe it, it's like everything is in soft focus. You can see John's face, but then there's this single bead of water just like about to drip from one of his locks of hair. He probably just got out of the water at pipe. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's this special moment. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what the, the setup was. Um, yeah, it was it was cool to come into it with a different idea of, of how I wanted to portray it. And just for me, it's like, uh, I just wanted to have the feeling of being there. Like it didn't have to be like as descriptive in a, a literal way. Like, oh, I don't have to see exactly, you know, every sticker on the board of every pro, you know, it's not selling anything. It's just, um, mm-hmm. just that feeling. And, and just kind of like even the cover, like the wave is, it took me a long time to figure out this is actually Baramamiya. Um, but everything's pretty soft and it's just like that offshore and just like the depth of the blue and stuff, um, reminds me of just how humbling it is, um, to see these waves and to be part of this whole thing. No, I just love his, uh, his style right there. Yeah. Coming out of the barrel. The he looks, yeah. It's very like, uh, I see a lot of like skate style in that mm-hmm. right there as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So when you did this book, you um you know, this was just like your initial foray. It's a passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you weren't fully, you know, shooting a lot of uh or no. spending lots of time shooting, right? Um, yeah. And so how hard was it then to actually go through that process of like, you know, meeting up with people to actually shoot for them? I mean, you know, oh, so for anybody hard. that's a, you know, a, you know, that's getting into surf photography, what was that process mm-hmm. like of getting your foot in the door and then meeting with people so you could shoot them? 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's super hard and you're always trying to get more access and you're always, um, the thing is you just have to be there like more than anything else. You have to, you have to know where the waves are going to be and you have to, like, if you're a really good forecaster, you can be an excellent surf photographer. Cause you're like, that's the angle. That's the wind. Like that's where those guys are going to be hundred percent. Cause everyone's kind of always, always on the same page too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the hard thing is, I mean, North shore on in the winter, you're, you're going to run into a bunch of guys kind of no matter what. Um, but early on, I would be like, oh, wow, the forecast looks huge. It's going to be, it's going to be great. I'm going to get down there early. And then I get down there and it's just like, everything's unsurfable, like third reef pipe, maybe, and Mm -hmm. maybe Waimea, but, um, you kind of just learn like, okay, there is like a size for each spot that's ideal. And, um, and then after that, you just, yeah, you just got to be around. That's the trick, I guess, as a photographer. Just got to pay your dues, put the time in and, and you'll get your opportunities. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So you shot the book and then I kind of remember, I think we had just done our trip to Portugal mm-hmm. and, uh, did, at that, I don't remember the sequence of things, but it, the sequence in chronology in my mind anyway, is we went on that crazy trip to Portugal. We saw like 70 foot Nazare. <laughs> then you go to Tahiti. Uh-huh. And then next thing I know, next thing I know, you're moving. You're like I'm moving back to. <laughs> I'm moving back to. I'm Hawaii. back to Hawaii. Yeah, and then, I, and then I'm also gonna go surf J Bay in South Australia while I'm at it. I'm like, dude, this guy's on a full on surf bender right now. Is <laughs> my main uh-huh. impression that I that I that I got from that. Um, from my good years. So you moved back to Big Island, and that's when you began to more closely work with uh, a pro surfer, uh, free surfer Cliff Capono. Um, you know, and, and that was really interesting. So could you tell us more about, um, that whole process? What was, how did you even start to begin to shoot him and some, maybe some of the, the adventures you might've gone on with him as you were following around shooting around the Island? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of, we never knew we were going to move back so soon. Um, my wife and I were like pretty busy and everything was going pretty well in, in New York. And then when the pandemic hit, we had already, um, got a house out here um, kind of as a long-term thing. And, um, yeah, so we, we moved out here during the pandemic, started working on the house and there was so much stuff to do. Um, and I was getting to surf a lot. Um, and we had a really good season that year. Um, so I was just down at the beach. Like I would try and get down there at like seven or six and then surf for like three hours and then come back and work on the house. And I started running into Cliff, um, and he was friends with some of my friends. So he's, he was looking for a filmer for that winter. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm super down. There's no, there's no like, uh, commercial work for me. Like everyone's too afraid to like get more than 10 people together to shoot anything. So I have, um, I either have to work on this house full time or, or I'd love to, to shoot you as well. Um, so it, yeah, it just kind of grew organically that way. And we're kind of a similar age. And, um, I actually remember him vaguely going to UH, um, with me around the same time. So it's just like, it's pretty cool. Like all these, these things coming back together and, um, yeah, I mean, he charges. So it was, 
it was nice to push myself um, shooting more in the water and, and bigger waves. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, my understanding of the big Island is, you know, there, there are a few established spots, at least on, you know, Hilo side. Yeah. But there's not a ton more than that. So a lot of those other spots are like these misto spots. What, what was it like shooting these spots? I mean, are they super treacherous or because mm-hmm. when I think of big Island, I think of like very young Island, like jagged yeah. lava. That's what I think. Totally. <laughs> um, and... You're 100% correct. <laughs> yeah. I just remember um... being on Kona side. I remember mm-hmm. being on Kona side and just going to see the manta rays and just looking at the shore and it was just like, there's people surfing over there. It just looks so <laughs> dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and totally. It, and that's just, I mean, I'm not sure if you were surfing on Kona side, but like, yeah, it's pretty gnarly area, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's very fickle. And I mean, you'll, you'll drive three hours and then you'll show up and, and the wind will either be bad or the, just the angle is just a little bit off. Um yeah, it's, it's really, it's tough to forecast and it's, and you just never know you, you, if there's not that many spots and it's all like a hike to get to anything. So it's, you kind of make up your mind and go for it. Um, and hope you get lucky. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you just fly to Oahu and (laughs) you're like, okay, Southwest, I'm going to be down, you know, right, right, right. At bowls or something. So did you, I mean, I'm assuming though, there were times that you did proper score and those days mm-hmm. made it worth it, right? Well, you know, what was, what were some of the, the, I guess any, any specific waves, uh, not in terms of naming any waves, but like any specific instances or like experiences or adventures that you had shooting with him? Um, mm-hmm. maybe you mentioned getting in the water, shooting more from the water. What was that like? Um, yeah, we got really lucky, um, we had a really big North a few years ago. Um, and yeah, it was, it like opened up a spot that sleeps pretty much 364 days out of the year, <laughs> maybe 365 mm-hmm. because it takes a couple of years for it to really do its thing, um, at that yeah. level. And, um, yeah, it was, it's amazing. Like just seeing, it it feels so pure, you know, you don't see a bunch of guys paddling around and it's just you and nature, really. You're just watching like, that's like, I, I try and imagine pipeline empty because there's always somebody out there if it's, you know, big and perfect. Um, but you don't really get to see that ever, you know, if it's a right. contest, there's so many people on shore and, you know, you I can imagine like those guys in, you know, the 50s, looking out and just being like, wow, that is like amazing. Like, I feel like we've seen that wave so much now. Um, We see it every winter, like a ton that you um, get numb to it, but to just see it on a blank canvas would be like really, really amazing. So that's kind of cool. Like some of the, the, the swells, if we get really, really lucky here, um, you'll kind of get that moment where you're like, wow, this is, this is a beautiful connection. You're just out there, barely anybody out. Just feels mm-hmm. kind of like experiencing like this, I don't know, this magical place. That sounds great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But 
mega treacherous too because a lot of stuff you, you just don't know about like you're like don't mm. really know if there's a rock there or you know at this size if you can paddle in or out from there it's like everything changes a lot hey everyone it's van hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast hopefully you've been listening to some good stories getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer if so make sure to subscribe to the podcast leave us a review it'll only take you literally a few seconds and share it with your friends that's the best way you can support me so i can continue to create awesome new content for you so thanks did you ever get yourself into any hairy situations shooting in the water for him yeah there was there was like two that I remember where I just got one I just got sent back to the beach there was just there was just no way it was like it was um it was a big beach break and it was just too long period and it was just it was just not it was just treacherous like and it wasn't clean it wasn't like really it was just a shit fight to get out there um but yeah, like I just got flattened like to the bottom, like maybe four or five times in a row trying to swim out one arm with my camera. And I was just like, oh, right. This, this is so <laughs> shitty. Um, and it was super humbling. Um, I was like so eager to get in there. And like, I was like, oh, wow, if we're going to, you know, we might get some really beautiful barrel shots or something. Um, oh. Yeah. But I just got flattened out like a couple times in a row. And I was just like, okay, like lesson learned like 15 seconds at this spot you know at like 10 feet or whatever it was is just not really gonna let you do that um or i just got to be way better of a swimmer but you have to swim with just one hand yeah with the camera you just got one hand and and then you can kick oh man yeah um and then the other time was this really sketchy reef uh that luckily i didn't make it out because who knows i don't know by the time you actually get to where it breaks, it just breaks straight up on this dry slab. So it's like, and I had like a boogie board and I was just like, man, I'm just going to just might get killed here. Um, oh <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, I get humbled by the ocean all the time. It's kind of, it's good, you know, and it's a good learning experience and you get, you just learn a lot and relearn your limits kind of every day. I mean, cause if you're, was that, was that spot like a barrel that you were trying to shoot? Yeah. All barrels all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it so you're been basically cool. like sticking your arm out. You're basically like sticking your arm out into the barrel. But like, if you mess up, you're going to just get sucked over the lip into that dry slab basically is what's going to happen. Well, if you, mess I it thought, up. I mean, my whole plan was, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of be on the shoulder, shoot it a little longer lens and just shoot right into mm-hmm. it. Should be really cool. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with right. how the water moves out there, um, it doesn't really allow you to sit there. It either pulls you right into the impact zone or it pushes you way down the coast with another um, current. So it's um, you're always just learning, learning new things about different spots at different sizes. This spot sucks you from the shoulder? Oh, yeah, right. it either pushes you out or, or it, it kind of wanted to pull you into the... Because, you know, it's it's on such a dry slab, so it just, the water, if you're kind of sitting in the spot where you want to shoot, you either got to be probably better without a bodyboard. You either got to be kicking back out or something um, the whole time, kind of fighting against it. 
because it'll want to pull you right across the shelf and into the wave. That sounds um, like the worst kind of wave to surf because, you know, like you, you catch a wave, you eat it, and then you're just getting sucked back into the impact zone. So it's like a washing oh, machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Pure torture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds awful, dude. Well, so having spent so much time watching him, I mean, he's such a stylish surfer. Like, I love his style. I remember watching mm-hmm. him and just, he has the smoothest style. He's not waving his arms everywhere. He's tucking that back knee. I mean, and he's doing gnarly. He's threading these gnarly barrels. Like, mm-hmm. was there anything from watching him that you've been able, able to apply to, to your surfing uh, personally? Not really anything at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say, if anything, I mean, just kind of, uh, e- what would I what have I learned? I don't know. Um, yeah, he just has his own way of surfing. Um, I, I do, I just do the opposite of all of that. I just flail around a lot and <laughs> try and do real aggressive skate turn stuff. Um, uh-huh. yeah, we're, we're different creatures, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I think maybe if anything, I learned anything, anything from his surfing would be just to slow everything down a little bit more if, if possible, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. not think about trying to rip the wave to pieces. That being said, mm-hmm. I'll probably be out today later, just fucking trying to go as aggressive <laughs> as I can, but slowing everything right down. Now. Yeah. Right. And just being on the right waves really makes everything look better. Right. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So Cliff is a, a free surfer and mm-hmm. You know, I know back in the day, there was like this huge, I mean, everybody wanted to be a free surfer, right? It's like you, um, unless you, especially if you didn't like competition, but you basically surf great waves. You don't have to compete in small, tiny, crappy conditions. You fly Mm -hmm. around the world and you get to, you know, your goal was to get a, a couple cover shots and get in the surf mags. That was the way it worked back then. But mm-hmm. I would have to imagine things have changed. Like how, I mean, the, the landscape is drastically different, but I'm, try, I'm curious from your perspective now working in it, um, you know, what, what is it like being a, a photographer working with free surfers and, and what's it like for the free surfers themselves in this current day and age of, you know, content creation and, and whatnot? Yeah, it's, I think that's the, probably the, one of the, biggest things to think about as a free surfer that's you're almost probably thinking about that more than you're actually thinking about surfing or at least the successful ones are because nowadays you're expected to build your own brand and to be you have to be the content creator for your own brand you have to be the creative director for your own brand and and the brand is yourself you know um so um the hardest thing for those guys is, is getting enough budget to afford a filmer to have them, you know, on staff or you just really hope you can link up with guys enough on, on swells to get clips, to keep that going. Um, or you figure out how to, how to pay for it. Um, but it's super important. It's like the most integral part of the job now and companies, um, have been bought up pretty much majority of them are, are owned by big corporations that don't sign these big contracts, the surfers anymore. So it's all about kind of building your own brand. And, and to do that, you usually need a filmer and a, 
Well, I usually just film it these days. No one really needs a photographer even almost anymore um, to get that content out there. Hmm. Interesting. And that, that's, that's, I mean, when I look at Cliff, like he definitely has his own brand. He's a scientist, right? He's a PhD. He's native Hawaiian. And so there, he definitely has his own story. Um, but this was probably a mixture of both, uh, natural because that's just who he is, but then also this mm -hmm. intentional way of marketing himself. And so that's probably mm -hmm. something a free surfer needs to think about as they're, you know, especially if you're a younger free surfer and you're trying to figure out who your identity is and what your brand is, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, you know, if you're a 16 year old kid that rips, um, you could put a clip up of you doing, you know, a double backflip in a pool and stuff, but unless, you know, you have a little bit of a story behind it, um, not too many people are going to care for very long. Um, so I, I, I feel really bad for those guys cause it's, you know, they've probably been, um, you know, pushed on by their parents a lot of times to be like, Oh yeah, you're going to make a bunch of money as this surfer. You're going to sign this big contract. And, um, really what it comes down to is like, man, these guys got to work so hard to make any money and they got to make their brand to, to reach into other, um, pockets of of funding like it's probably not going to come from you know the surf companies it's probably going to come from i don't know some some weird different avenues hmm. um and you just see more and more of that um yeah it's it's tricky it's almost like what came first the chicken or the egg like how you like you got to create this brand but you need money to make this brand um so you that's just... what I was just about to say, right? Because you need followers in order for mm -hmm. the brands to recognize you. But to get the followers, you have to create the content. And to create the content, you need the money. Mm -hmm. But to get the money, you need the brand. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. yeah, you're just stuck in this loop. Yeah. Wow. I don't really know what the path forward is um, for a lot of these guys. I mean, and it's a similar, it's kind of the same paradox with um, surf filming and surf photography. Like, um, having a, a real stable client that's like, okay, we're going to be able to pay this guy through a couple of seasons. Um, it's just really rare. Um, so yeah, you always got to be thinking about, okay, like what are my skills? How can I use them in other, other scenarios or something? So yeah, shooting fashion in water or something like that, um, can, help you kind of i don't know fill the dates in your calendar mm -hmm. and that's how you do it right you 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 continue to shoot a lot of stuff that's not surfing related and surfing is is one of the things you do but it's definitely not the only thing you do right for sure yeah i think um trying to just stay balanced in that whole thing has been pretty integral um and it's hard i mean every uh, you know you're always people kind of want to pigeonhole you and sometimes it it makes it easier for um, you to get work in certain ways if they're like, oh, yeah, that's the that guy's the good beach filmer. That guy's the good water photographer. That guy's the fashion editorial guy. Um, getting put in those little boxes um, can get you a lot of work sometimes in those little spheres. But 
you kind of want to be known as the guy that just kind of does, I guess, a lot of things. I don't know. Or just be really, really good at one thing. Mm-hmm. Like sp- specialize or be jack of all trades. I mean. <laughs> yeah, sounds- it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's a weird, I don't know. You, I never have it figured out. I'm just always trying to pedal some water around. So it sounds like trying to make it as a surf photographer is as challenging as trying to make it as a free surfer nowadays. It's, 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 a, it's a tough uh, profession as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, to get paid consistently is, is tricky. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, a, lot of, a lot of brands get stuff for free and a lot of um, surfers get photos for free so it's it's this kind of cycle that's uh that feeds on itself so it's important to have a -hmm. a wider client base all right so you know so you know you were working with cliff for a while and now it seems like you're shooting a lot you're spending a lot more time on the north shore shooting kind of those top tier top five ct surfers uh what's it been like shooting them i mean you're whenever i talk to you you're like i just spent like basically a month at pipe, you know, shooting yeah. continuously. What, what, what is that? What has that process been like? Yeah. Last winter was really busy. Um, it's, it's cool. I mean, those guys operate on just such a, a different level and it's, it really is like athletics at its finest. Um, and seeing, um, yeah, seeing them pretty much all together on the North shore every year, it's cool. You can really pick apart their different styles and how they approach waves. And um, it really becomes more obvious who's in that top five. Like, it's not like, like sometimes you just go out and you see a bunch of good surfers and you're like, oh, wow, everyone's just really good. But when those guys are out, you're like, okay, there's everybody. And then there's like those guys. And mm. it really is like, it's, it's a world of difference seeing those guys surf with um even other good pros. Um, and it must be just like so mentally difficult for guys coming up that are, you know, out at pipe with, with those top guys or out at a couple of different spots where it's really apparent who's better. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, must be really difficult to like, be like, okay, I'm going to enter this contest and I'm going to beat those guys. Where like the whole week previous, you're just getting absolutely smoked by these guys, and watching them like take some wave from way out the back and just destroy it. <laughs> is it is it like, I mean, especially at a wave like Pipe, it, the biggest thing must be just the wave selection, right? Like just picking mm-hmm. the right wave, getting the deepest barrel. Is that it, or are you also talking about like you know maneuvers, errors that they're doing at the end of that that barrel section? Yeah, it's just like it's honestly, it's just like comfort, like. Pipe's actually kind of hard because so much of it's just like people sometimes get lucky with, with random waves. It's that wave changes so much. It's so hard to be like, okay, that's going to be a good one or something like that. Um, like sometimes who was it? It was, um, uh, Crosby Cola Pinto last winter got like a bunch of really good waves and, um, he wasn't getting the best waves, but he just got kind of lucky on like, and he was really brave to jump in on a couple waves that worked out for him. Cause that, that reef is just so, um, it's just such a roll of the dice most of the time. Right. I mean, 
the old kind of adage or whatever story is that like if you're coming up at pipe in the pecking order and i'm assuming that crosby he's you know he's not well established in that pecking order right you're just Mm -hmm. sitting kind of on the inside and going for the closeouts and then sometimes you get lucky and you make one of them right is that Mm -hmm. were those the waves that he was getting or i don't i don't know i didn't see i didn't see a lot of like a lot of the waves he caught like in real life i don't really know where he right was was moving around but I, I mean, none of the top guys wanted him, so um, he must have just been just in on real scary parts of the reef that you don't want to sit on most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why don't you do this? Describe to me for the normal everyday surfer what it's like to watch pipe, to look at mm. that lineup and to see those heavy waves go down. Um I'm not sure how many people have had the pleasure and the experience of seeing pipe working, but it is pretty wild. But, you know, how, how would you describe it to, to someone who's never seen it? Um, I mean, I think a lot of people have done a really good job describing it as just like, like you feel like you're in the, um, like the Coliseum, like it's the Hawaiian version of the Coliseum, like the waves right there. And it's just breaking so hard on that piece of reef. Um, and, it's a wild card, you know, like some of the waves you think, Oh, that one's going to work out. It just like totally shuts down or, you know? Um, so I think that's what keeps it really interesting. Um, and also makes it super, super dangerous. Um, there's other waves that run, you know, reefs like Tahiti and I mean, cloud break, I guess I don't really know enough about cloud break to talk about it in depth, but it's a little bit more consistent. I mean, at least Tahiti's like, okay, so mechanical. This is what you're going to get. Whereas um, Pipeline just does weird stuff all the time. How often um, do you see guys get heavily injured out there? All the time. All the time. And it doesn't even have to be the biggest day. Like uh, when Dusty Payne got hurt, um, I was just on the beach shooting some photos the day before. And it was just kind of like small smaller in between swells kind of stuff and he got hurt on one of those days it wasn't even like like a maxing day like um it's just a really yeah it really is dangerous like as many times as people say oh this is a dangerous wave it's it's like not even enough <laughs> like it's dangerous yeah. when it's freaking four feet it's dangerous when it's you know right so right. yeah and it, i mean and it's the, like now it's, or it has been, you know, for as long as I've been alive, like the proving ground for, you got to get your clips there in the winter. You got to, so it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's a crazy wave. It's, um, and then you got a hundred people all frothing for the same wave. So the most hectic lineup in the world, just adding all to that, it must be pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Oh Yeah. Any other, you know, sessions that are memorable to you shooting on the North Shore with any of these pros that you've been working with? Um, um, during the Triple Crown period of the last um, winter, um, you would see, since they've changed the format to um, just submitting video clips for the Triple Crown, you'd see all the top guys at all the same spots at almost all the same times, um, which had to be extremely frustrating, like imagine if you wanted to go surfing and it's like the best conditions all year. And you're like, here I go. I'm going to go get my clip at Haliva. And second you paddle out 12 other of like 
the gnarliest competitors like paddle out right behind you and probably catch up to you and then you're sitting you know right next to each other and that's like kind of how the that window goes for those guys and it's it's almost like a curse um like you touch the water and then like 12 guys that you know want the same wave as you jump out there um so yeah last winter seeing that happen was was nuts um i mean shooting we shot um john out there during uh that Haliva, one of the better days at Haliva, and yeah he was out there for six hours and like paddling against that current when it's that big um is almost more of a feat than even catching a wave like it's the endurance to be out there that long is is insane and um obviously just like competing the whole time and catching you know catching he caught quite a bit of waves and they were all pretty insane um but it's like for these guys you have those days there's going to be a handful of days and it's going to be like that's the day like i need to be a hundred percent there focused right equipment and you you can't even you just can't mess up a a, a section like especially holly either like you kind of draw something out too far or you, you know, you skip some of it or something like it's, uh, it's really about reading the wave. Mm. And, um, it was, that was really apparent in that session. Like you see somebody like John go out there and you're just like, wow, this is a master class just in reading the wave. I don't even care. Like you, I don't even care what kind of turn or what kind of spray I look like. Just that he's just so in sync with that wave. And that was mm. the most impressive thing for me. Wow. Wow. That sounds wild. Just paddling for six hours. Yeah. Against raging current. Yeah. His, his paddle power must be insane. I mean, yeah. Uh, that must be so cool for John to be able to, uh, you know, go out and surf that wave and, and then immediately see footage of how he performed. And that feedback session, that feedback loop of being able to surf and then being able to see your footage must be really informative. Um, how do the pros use their footage? You know, are they, you know, are they, I mean, cause let's just be honest as an everyday surfer, when you see your own footage, most of the time you're just like bummed. Cause you're like, Oh man, I thought, I thought I looked way cooler than that. Than I, than I actually yeah. and How are they using that footage? Um, so I think it even starts from their kids, like their, their parents and their coaches, um, they all got cameras on the beach and they're all kind of panning around. Um, and they're picking apart different parts of their surfing and just being like, okay, we have to do this, we have to do this. Um, it's huge. Um, I don't think there's a more important aspect to their whole program really. Um, And even for myself, I mean, I don't have a ton of footage of myself surfing, but the stuff I do, I'm like, oh shit, like that's how I surf. I'm like, yikes. (laughs) But it's, it's, uh, it really will help you honestly read a wave better, probably pick a better board. Um, Those guys use it. I mean, they're seeing stuff that you, would have a real hard time figuring out. Uh, if you were going to give three tips to the intermediate surfer, what are the key three tips that you would give out? Um, 
I mean, well, maybe it, it might would, be three things that you're working on yourself even. Yeah, exactly. It'd be advice I give to myself pretty much every day. Um, yeah, don't outrun the wave. I think that's probably the biggest thing um, that, yeah, you just got to stay behind it, stay behind it and attack it from, from, uh, from the back. Which is interesting yeah. because I think the average, well, depending on where you are in your progression, let's say you're mm-hmm. an early intermediate surfer mm-hmm. or beginner surfer, I think most of those surfers would be terrified to be coming from behind, right? Because mm-hmm. they're so used to not having enough speed to actually make the section. Mm-hmm. They, being behind the wave would actually mean, oh, it's going to close out and I'm going to not be able to make it, right? Yeah. But it's interesting because there's this mental shift that occurs when you're actually trying to do more critical turns where you have to, have to start from coming behind the wave because that's going to put you into the pocket when you place your turn. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that transition is something that a lot, you know, it's, it's such a counterintuitive thing to do after totally. you've been training yourself to be in front of the wave the whole time. So you don't miss out, you know, so you don't get left behind. So, yeah, that's the hardest one. Yeah. And then having a wave that'll allow you to do that. You know, there's certain, like, that's the hardest thing about surfing Rockaway so much is there's, it's a lot of smaller days where you're just trying to get down the line. There's not much in terms of like, you're not taking deep bottom turns to, to whack the lip. Like it, you know, if the wave's only like a foot and a half high, you don't really have too much. You're surfing quite, uh, laterally rather than top to bottom. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the toughest part for toughest mental thing to figure out. I remind myself of that every day. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, I try, try to at least think of slowing down a little bit more, less movements. Um, because if you think about it, um, you changing the angles, it decreases the efficiency of your board and of the movement most of the time. Like if you're hopping around all weird, like doing this in the water, you're, you're, you know, slowing yourself down and it just looks bad, um, which I do a ton of, but yeah, just big moves and are just, just holding lines is, is really, I guess when they say like, yeah, hold the line, like that's what they're talking about. Yeah. So stillness and just, uh, taking your time. And it's so interesting because. I feel like uh, so much of surfing is actually like slowing down as mm-hmm. well, right? Like when John John reads a wave, like he's it's going in slow motion to him compared to us. We're just like freaking out are we going to make the wave, but because he's able to he's been in that situation so many times, he's a lot more relaxed. And he's able to be a lot more thoughtful. Oh, I'm going to place mm-hmm. my bottom turn right here. And then I'm going to do my top turn right here. And it's just a lot slower so he can relax into it. And his style is so much more fluid as a result of that too, right? Mm-hmm. And powerful. So Yeah, right? that's that's where that's where all that experience really comes in. It's just, um, yeah, like it's, it's a cool feeling when you're doing a bottom turn or you've slow or you faded a little bit and you're like, Oh man, I'm just going to absolutely try and go to town on this next section. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, most of the time you just totally blow it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a fun feeling to be like, okay, this right. is, this is how it's going to go. Last tip anymore. And one last final one. 
I don't know, pay your photographers, pay your videographers. Uh, <laughs> relationships are super important um, in this in this industry and I mean just in general I mean um, it's just good to have a good relationship with with um, people you like to surf with and people you like to be around all right don't be an (laughs) sounds like that's the the big thing (laughs) yeah oh yeah and just never paddle to the peak ever oh ever just ever Never, never. <laughs> yeah even if you're by yourself don't even <laughs> don't even, even think yourself. about it not yeah even not by even yourself. by yourself no no <laughs> no just let a couple go all right um, all right all right man yeah. well that that was uh that was a uh, that was a great uh couple uh couple minutes to, and i'm glad i got to share and hear some stories from you and um thanks for joining us um and uh, hopefully we'll have you back sometime. And um, thanks again, Joey. I'll see you later. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'll probably have the same tips because I'll still be doing the same things. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Van. Hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, it'll only take you literally a few seconds, and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So, thanks.